Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. everybody and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. On my podcast today, I have a guest who I've been following for a while. It's really quite a while actually. Um, And lately I'm loving his posts about student voice, especially for the most vulnerable. I'm so excited to chat with Dr. Kevin Lightman about his work with students and with teachers. Kevin, welcome. And I'm so excited to have you today on my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Like I told you, I was geeking out when you gave me this invite. I was like, yes, I finally get to talk to her. And you know, we've been going back and forth on social media. So it's so nice to get to catch up with you live. And uh, this is great. I'm so excited. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I didn't really say there's there's so much about you. There's a transition that you're doing right now. So um, tell everybody in our listening world what what's up with the Kevin Lightman. What are you doing? What have you been doing? <laughs> sure. So uh, just made a big move from Florida to Ohio, and it's you know I'm still I think I'm still processing it. This is the first mm-hmm. year I didn't finish the year as a teacher. I did start the year, uh, you know, and I I went through the first semester. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my, my dad, my family business needed help in Ohio mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, in Florida, uh, you know, living costs were going up and raises not so much. I think a lot of teachers can identify with that. So Probably. You know, I had, I had to make that decision. So, um, you know, I had actually quit last year before the pandemic happened. You know, I gave my principal plenty of notice, like, Hey, right. I'm not going to be returning next year. I have to get to Ohio. And when COVID happened, uh, you know, he called me up. He's like, look, I'm on a hiring freeze. Can you stay even for a little bit? And oh, I was wow. like, you know what? It's pushing everything back. Why not? So I stayed for half the year, you know, got my students as set up as I could. And then when I had to go, you know, I went with his blessing and uh, off we are to the next adventure. So, uh, <laughs> you know, here we are. Uh, we're, my wife and I are both in education. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, about, uh, about 10 years each, uh, okay. she's done more with, uh, the college level. I've done more at the middle and high school level. So, you know, we get like a lot of various perspectives that we bring in. We bring that into our consulting work and, you know, we develop curriculum, we do professional development. We have lots of fun with it. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. And it's so nice that you're a team. And that you're able to make the transition together. I'm sure that helps quite a lot because that is a big transition, even if you mentally prepared for it and it was something that you knew you had to do. uh, It's still, it's still a lot. Yeah. I mean, just that itch to be in the classroom, you know, I I love teaching. I really do enjoy it. So, uh, you know, that part of it, I, I don't always miss the policies and the practices, but Mm. I definitely miss the kids. So having my wife by my side and being a team. It's funny you say the word team. Our, our LLC is Team Lightman Consulting. So we've always had that team idea at the forefront and just yes. being able to, to just dive in with her, I always have that reassurance. So it, it's so important, I think. That's wonderful. So the first question I always ask my guests, Kevin, is 
if I say the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging, what's the first thing that comes to mind? When I think about belonging, I really think about the students that uh, I've been working with really from the start of my career, mm -hmm. because I work with what people would code as at-risk students or the bottom 25% students or the bubble students. And they have so many names for it. Mm -hmm. And you can hear right from the names and the way that they describe this group of students is already exclusionary, yeah. right? So when I think about belonging, I think about what the school environment looks like for somebody who may be an AP and honors student who has never really had trouble versus a student who is in that bottom 25% who has a long list of labels uh, and they have people checking in with them daily and uh, you know the checklist going around about you know how did they behave today how about the next day did they fall asleep and just yeah. thinking about how that language and how the way adults discuss mm -hmm. these students is so exclusionary so when I think about belonging I really think about what can we do with our practices as individual teachers, plus what can we do as whole school settings where students who have those labels now, how can we make it an inclusive environment for those students and make it a place where they feel like they're empowered, they have some sense of control, and that they have a way to belong and make this their home. So, you know, it's just, I, I don't, I never want to take belonging in a negative way, right? Because, uh, you know, everybody wants to feel like they belong. Mm -hmm. And I just know from all the interactions, even before talking to students, just talking to the adults about students, mm -hmm. I can see where there's a lack. And it's a huge, huge, huge gap that we need to overcome because so many students do not feel like they belong. And that's really what I've dedicated my work to. I don't, I don't want people to feel that. Right. And that's so important, especially because if you don't feel that sense of belonging, you're not going to learn very well. And for your students that are at the bottom, let's say not really at the bottom, but you know, yeah. not Testing doing well, yeah. yes, yeah. not doing well per se academically, it's mm -hmm. even worse that they feel that they, they don't belong because that excludes them, like you said. And plus the fact that they walk in, they hear what their labels are and oh, they, they, yep. they begin to believe them. And mm -hmm. so it's such a deficit based type of thinking on the um, educators parts and also on the students parts. So it's wonderful that you're their advocate and are looking out for them. And so that's what I wanna talk about first is you've just published recently, I think within like the last month, yeah. A book, and I'm not going to read the whole title. You can tell them the whole sure. title, The Perfect Ten. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell us about the book, how you got the idea for the book. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I haven't read it yet, but I hope to get it when I'm, when I'm in the States. But just oh. reading about your passion for it, uh, it's just amazing. So tell us about the book and how it got started and who's in it, what's it about. <laughs> All of sure. that. <laughs> yeah, I, the, the whole package. All right, I got you. So uh, I, it really started with that, uh, that concept. And I, I really picked this up from talking to teachers before students would come in at each year. And I think any teacher listening to your podcast will know this moment. 
It's the moment, especially for new teachers, where somebody walks into your room and grabs your roster out of your hands and says, ew, you have this kid? This is a bad kid. This one's a drug dealer. This one's bubble. And just on and on and on. Okay. So before, before I've had a chance to meet any of my students, mm-hmm. teachers, principals, administrators, security guards even, are looking through my roster. Yes. Are, they're looking through my roster going, oh, you poor thing. You have this one. They're going to torture you all year long. And I'm thinking, I have already been given and passed down this negative perception so first of all, who does that help? Who does that benefit? Sure. Did that help that teacher to give me that perception? Is, is that venting doing anything for them if that student's already out of their class? And, and then what is that supposed to do for me who's never even met this kid mm-hmm. where people are even, and I've had this happen where they even take a pen and start writing on my roster, little asterisks, watch out for this watch. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And as a new teacher, I was shocked. I was like, is this how people are? Is this how teachers engage in the practice? And, you know, it was many more than I thought. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I start meeting these students and here's where the shock really hit me the most is as I'm talking to these students, I I tried my absolute best just to get those things out of my mind, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to remember this. I don't care. I want to meet the students first before I come up with anything. But of course it stays on your mind. Sure. And I started to notice those ones that people were pointing out as the bad kids were the ones I was bonding with most, were the ones that were excelling the most in my class and the ones who were getting the most joy out of it. And I'm like, what on earth is the disconnect? So, you know, in my first few years of teaching, I was very quiet about it. I was just Mm -hmm. kind of taking notes and understanding Mm -hmm. like what's going on. But as I started to get a little more vocal and I started to get a little more confident in who I was as a teacher and what I was doing, I started to, you know, make some call outs. Like, Mm -hmm. why did you notice this and not notice that? Or how come you didn't see this talent that the student has? Or, you know, what was missing here? And there was so much disconnect. And then I started to realize, well, it doesn't really matter coming from my voice, right? Because I, you know, when we're talking educator to educator, I'm a peer, I'm, you know, I'm just somebody else in the Mm -hmm. profession. I have a different opinion than you do doesn't really matter coming from me. The voice that needs to be empowered is the student voice. Mm -hmm. So for these students who I'm, I'm talking about, who have these preconceived notions built by other teachers and security and whoever else, they felt like they had no voice and no belonging. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, after I got a few years into my career, now I have students who are graduating from high school and they're moving on to other things, whether it's college, career, whatever they ended up doing, yeah. And they're staying in touch with me. So I started asking them, give me, give me the honest feedback. What was going on with your school experience? And uh-huh. the stories floored me. Wow. I'm like, really? People said that about you. Your parents were saying this? Your teachers were saying this? Ooh. Are you kidding me? So, you know, I, I'm starting to think like, we need more people to hear that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I can't be the only one hearing it if I'm the one that's already listening. We need right. people who aren't listening yet to say, you know what, maybe we need to hear what students are saying. We need to value that voice that they already have and we need to give it a space. So, you know, as I had those conversations, I was very blessed and fortunate that I got connected to Sarah Thomas, uh, Mm -hmm. the CEO of EduMatch, wonderful lady. I know you know her. She's amazing, amazing. So uh, I got connected with her. I ran this idea by her like, hey, you know, I've been talking to some students 
they want a space to share. I, I want to help with that. Mm-hmm. Can we work something out? Yes, excellent idea. So I ended up bringing on board 10 students mm-hmm. and I, I found students who had just various perspectives and a wide variety of experiences in their mm-hmm. own schooling. And they said, you know what? I am willing to share openly and honestly everything about my school experience. I'll share the good stuff too. I'll share the good, I'll share the bad, I'll share the ugly. Mm-hmm. And their purpose in this was to not only get their own voice out, but to help students feel empowered and say, you know what, even though I confronted X, Y, Z, here's how I came over that. Here's how I made myself through it and learned something about myself in the process, regardless of what other people were saying or doing. So that's really how that project developed. Uh, You know, just, it all came full circle. And, uh, you know, my students, I'm so thankful for them. They they contributed yeah. every piece. They helped edit with me. Um, wow. You know, they received payments with me on this. So like they are stakeholders in this book and they did an awesome job with it. I'm so proud of them. I love that. How long did it take you to put everything together though? If you're working with mm-hmm. yourself, trying to, you know, <laughs> to sort of collaborate with 10 mm-hmm. students and, and yeah, how long did it take to put it all together from the, the you mm-hmm. know, from the idea start? Yeah, I think the idea itself took like at least half a year to go from, you know, I want to talk to students more now that they've graduated and figure out what their experience was to actually saying, hey, we should put this into a book. And then from the idea, it probably took another full year. Um, I did a couple of rounds of interviews with each student. Then we uh, obviously collaborated back and forth with the writings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was collaborating with Edumatch at the same time. So sure. uh, a lot of hands in the pot, which was good mm-hmm. because it gave so many perspectives. And uh, I just, I really wanted to take my time with it to make sure that the things that I was saying and writing down were representing how they truly felt and uh, what they experienced. Sure. So sure, yeah. yeah, so overall about a year and a half, but I mean, it was, it was a fun project. I enjoyed every moment of it. The interviews were so good. Just oh, be able wow. to catch up with them now as adults yes. and, and hear their perspectives in a way where they're not beholden to me as their teacher. There's no grade on the line. It's just mm-hmm. now we're chatting. It is such a different refreshing Adult story. to adult. Yes, yes. That must have been so nice. Yeah. And, to, and to see the investment that you had made in them and the things that they've been able to accomplish as a result of their, their efforts plus your encouragement. Um, and right. it must have been so gratifying or must still be so gratifying to them to see because the book is quite popular. Yeah, thank you. And I mean, it's one thing too, where they also get to see the investment they made in me. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that a lot of teachers True. don't maybe don't know how to vocalize. And a lot of right. students don't understand is that, yeah, I'm investing in you, but you're also investing in my growth personally and professionally. True. And every student I interact with sharpens me. So they got to see that in a much more real sense where I have a book out because of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't have done this, this work on my own. There's no way I would right. never be able to represent them with my own voice. So right. for them to step in and do that, they have now influenced me and impacted me in a real and tangible way. How cool is that? That is amazing. And I love that perspective. I also wanted to mention to, um, to the listeners that you wrote a post, speaking of Edgematch, we wrote a post <laughs> called 
the perfect student. And I won't give a hint about what the what the article is about, but the post is amazing. So I'm, I'll be sure to put the link in the show notes because I want everybody to read it. It's, is it, would you say it's, it's a bit of a preview to your book or is it more just a viewpoint to give them perspective about what's in the book? I think it's a good preview. Uh, when you think, when, when I structured this book, I mean, there was two things I really wanted to accomplish with it. Mm -hmm. One was to highlight the importance and the value of student voice. Right. But the other piece of it was to really challenge the idea of perfection, because in my my theory, and this is, you know, based on my experience, my research and really just my opinion. But uh, when you think about perfectionism, mm -hmm. I think that is the greatest thing that holds teachers and parents back from helping students identify themselves and find their own sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's unspoken, but everybody has their own idea of what it means to be perfect. And that idea is always different, right? But we all have that idea. Right. So if we don't challenge that idea and start thinking about why do I feel like this behavior is perfect and this is not, mm -hmm. or why do I rank this thing ahead of this thing? If we don't challenge that, yes. then somebody who shows different values, we start to think, oh, they're imperfect. They're bad versus good. Rather mm -hmm. than thinking, why do they feel like this is more important? Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is more important. Right. And we can have yes. really engaging dialogue when we challenge our own idea of perfection. But if we Wait. don't challenge it, yeah, it just it kind of goes by the wayside. and We just push our own ideals. That's so. true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking just just really quick of a personal experience. Um, my my nephew, my sister's son, who's now in his um, late 30s, mm -hmm. felt that he needed to go to a four year college and graduate from a four-year college. I have, assuming that's what he thought was, you know, the perfect thing. He was the older child. Mm -hmm. He has a, a sibling, my niece. And mm -hmm. he just, he kept faltering. Yeah. And uh, then finally, uh, he said, I really like to cook. I, mm -hmm. I want to, my, my sister actually has that talent also. He must have okay. maybe inherited some of that from her. But anyway, and he said, I really want to go to culinary school, but I know you want, he was telling his mom, I know you want me to, you know, finish for you. And she said, when did I ever say that to you? I never <laughs> yeah. told you that you had to, I want you to be happy. And so sure enough, you know, and he's, he's this amazing chef now and, uh, you know, still paying off the loans, but, and she said, how did he ever get that idea? But just like you mm -hmm. said, we build up this idea of perfection. Mm -hmm. That was his idea that he should have a right. four-year college degree. And mm -hmm. it was like, no, I just want you to be happy. So right. I'm so glad just, you put that out there, Kevin. Yeah, it just, it comes from passing dialogue, right? You just, mm -hmm. you mentioned something like, oh, this person is so smart. They went to college and that becomes a, oh, smart equals college. And when you hear that 500 times throughout a lifetime, mm -hmm. every single time might not have been a big deal, but it's formed now that view. And yeah. I mean, I have such a similar story. Um, you know, I, my, in my family, my, my grandfather was a Holocaust survivor and he wow. uh, ended up in the States, started his own business. Mm -hmm. My dad went to college for a while and then had to drop out to help my uh, grandfather and take yeah. over that business. So all of that happened for two generations to give me the ability to possibly go to college. Mm -hmm. So I put so much pressure on myself. 
you know, they've done all of this so I can have this opportunity. Mm. I need to be the perfect student, which I was not. So uh, I I don't know if you've heard this about me, but I dropped out of my first college and I failed out of my second. So I I struggled so much and I kept stacking myself up to every other student. This one took eight pages of notes. I only took two. What's wrong with me? And I always focused on my imperfections just based on what I thought it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And once I dropped that and I was like, you know what, let me just focus on my strengths and what I'm good at. And let me believe that I'm a good student and try to live that out. Yeah. I went to my third college and ended up from a 1.7 to on the Dean's list. And, I'm you know, amazed. now sitting here, it, it would be very easy for me just to be a college failout. That mm-hmm. could have been my story. And yes. perfectionism is what got in my way too. So I know that story, the results might be different, but the story is common right? People that, that can't live up to what they think the perfect is. Mm -hmm. And so they just diminish rather than focusing on, Hey, what can I do? And what should I do? Right. And, and when you've told yourself you're imperfect and you believe that about yourself and that's your story, then Mm -hmm. you have to live up to that being imperfect, being that failure, being that fail out or whatever. And unfortunately, like you said, many don't have the chance or don't have the perspective changing like you Mm -hmm. did, which is reflecting and saying, well, that isn't working for me. I'm different, but that doesn't mean that's bad or that I'm not perfect. And what is perfect anyway? I love this Mm -hmm. discussion. It's, it, you know, it really brings to mind all the things that we don't talk about that we should be talking about. And I think that's so wonderful that you've put that book out now and you're writing about it and speaking about it because it really is an important issue that you know we talk about let's build up the students strengths I talk about let you know call them superpowers or let's talk about Mm -hmm. them but not to the point where they think that's all they need and that's all you know let's say they're talented at certain things but they're just not really good academically Mm-hmm. But that's not all about it. It's like, let's just be who we are, who we can be, and what mm-hmm. we love to be, you know, what we're passionate about. So yeah, we, we definitely need a book study. If you haven't planned well already, we need to figure out how to get a book study about that as soon as I have my uh, hands on the book. <laughs> yes, I, I'm ready when you are. And uh, yeah, just my students will probably be ready for that too. They'll jump in. Um, that's awesome. They've been so well engaged with this. And uh, yeah, it, it you're so right. These conversations need to happen. And uh, if I can start being a catalyst for this and my students can start being a catalyst for this, um, it's just hearing it from them, you see how harmful all these little moments add up to be. And it doesn't just harm them in school. And I think that's part of the big deal too, is, you know, you're talking about like, they start seeing themselves as a failure. Well, that becomes a part of now their identity, not just a part of their student life. So now they get a job expecting to be a failure at the job. They get, mm-hmm. you know, they get a, a girlfriend or boyfriend expecting to be a failure in their relationship. That's a problem. Yeah. And it's a problem that's very preventable just by simply valuing their voice mm-hmm. and engaging a dialogue. Right. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. I hate to leave this conversation, but I want to transition <laughs> to TLC Educate, your consultancy. And you mentioned on the website, it, you, you and your wife, I guess, because mm-hmm. it's both of you as a team, mm-hmm. 
empower educators to empower students. So what I want to ask you is what are some of the ways that, and I know it's a fairly new consultancy, mm -hmm. but what are some of the ways that you're thinking of or have been doing to empower teachers to empower their students? So uh, we really started uh, not with TLC Educate. We started with uh, a company called Academic Mindset, which we still uh, direct. Mm -hmm. And we started working with a lot of teachers about uh, how to incorporate mindset into the classroom, how to uh, deal with things like burnout in their mm -hmm. careers and how to uh, you know, keep their mental health on point. Um, so as we started to branch out from that and thinking about what we had studied uh, in the classroom and what we practiced with uh, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and uh, you know, with my work in burnout and those kind of things, we're like, we want to create a space that fits that. Yeah. So uh, we are developing courses. Uh, we have some professional development ready and some that we're still developing that we're excited about. Then we do workshops, we do coaching, we do all sorts of things. But really our goal is uh, we feel most connected to teachers. At heart, we're both teachers. And that has been our experience and our practice. Mm -hmm. And that's where we felt most comfortable. Those are the people that we want to work with most. And those are the people that we respect just enormously because, I, I mean, you know what it's like. Yeah. Uh, administrators have a tough job. Uh, everybody involved in education has a very difficult job, but I don't think anybody shoulders more than a teacher. Mm -hmm. So when we think about how can we make a student's experience better in the classroom, well, we can't go visit every student. We know that, you know, there's, there's limitations to that, but we can provide resources. We can provide training. There's a lot of things that we can do to try to create a positive influence for teachers that they can then take to their students. So we're like, that's, that's where we wanna be. We wanna be talking to teachers. We wanna be learning from them, learning with them and you know, exposing them to things that maybe they haven't seen yet to empower students. And that, that is our end goal always. Right. And when should uh, people start seeing, because of course the, the website and all your contacts and everything will be in the show notes and we'll talk about mm -hmm. that at the end, but when can people start uh, seeing mm -hmm. what you're doing and, and signing up yeah. for it? So uh, hopefully in a couple of weeks, we're going to have our, our first little teaser out and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, keep a little mystery, but um, we're going to, uh, I am hoping and see, I, I don't want to be firm on dates because uh, we're learning everything from scratch. I'm learning mm -hmm. how to build a WordPress site. I'm learning how to, uh, develop online courses and you know my my wife is doing so much of the editing and so mm -hmm. much of the, the work in the back end so Anala and I are are really teaching ourselves every little piece of this back end so I think in uh, probably two or three weeks we're going to have uh, at least the the makings of our first course and uh, we should have signups going for that and uh, so far it's looking good and that's actually going to be about uh, helping teachers with uh, entrepreneurship and just uh, learning how to get into business, how to provide extra income with not as much time investment, mm -hmm. because I think that's, uh, that's one place where we can help is we can't fight teacher pay as much as we want to, or as hard yeah. as we want to. And, you know, right. And as a teacher, again, like I advocated very hard 
you know, I, I fought through the union. And then when the union wasn't getting it done, I fought the union. And, you know, it's, oh, a, it's, a, it's a lot of fighting. But yeah. uh, I, one thing that we want to do is focus on what we can control. So, you know, Anal and I have been doing work on the side that's helped supplement our income and helped kept us afloat. So we want to pass on some of that. We have an equity course that we're hoping will be done by the end of summer. And that's going to be our big flagship course. It's going to include everything that we've really been doing for the last eight years. And, uh-huh. you know, our research, it, uh-huh. it takes a lot of, um, Anala's dissertation was on multicultural education. Or that's at least a big piece of it. Right. Uh, so we're going to take a lot of those strategies, a lot of the practical information, uh-huh. uh, and put that in a very easy to, to use and you know a very nice clean interface so that teachers can get that training without having to spend days and days and days right. and do tons of research on it. So you know I, I think one of the biggest things that we're missing in academia is just the accessibility, mm-hmm. right? Because there's great research out there. There's so many amazing practices that teachers don't engage with because we're not looking at the scholarly articles and when can we, mm-hmm. right? So, right. you know, our, our goal is to provide courses and curriculum and things that just are very easy to access and easy to use, but mm-hmm. are powerful. And I think if we get that right balance, we'll be helping the field in the best way we can. Yeah, and what's nice is that you both have the experience in the classroom and so bridging that gap between the research and the practice, which we often talk about, but it's mm-hmm. hard to, to put it together, like you were saying. So mm-hmm. that, that'll be really terrific. And the, yeah. hopefully the podcast episode will be out just about the same time as your first course goes out. So that'll be, that'll be terrific. We'll have to try to coordinate that if we can. Yeah, that sounds great. And it's, yeah. you're absolutely right. It's uh we had the, the great opportunity of going into classrooms and learning some of the cutting edge research and being able to bring it right back to our jobs and apply it. And just that idea of like, you take the theory and then you get to test it. Mm-hmm. And you know, some things work the way that you think they would, some don't. Um, but even something as simple as uh, the idea of student voice, which is something I'm such a huge advocate for. Mm-hmm. I made a huge mistake when I first started teaching where I wanted to come in and be like, I'm going to give my students voice. And my mentors at the college were looking at me saying, no, 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 you don't give voice. What are you, the voice dispenser? <laughs> students have I love voice, that. right? And I they'd love be like, that. Yes. yeah, they have voice. What are you trying to do? Your role is not to give them a voice. It's to give them a space or to value what they're saying yeah. and actually take it into consideration instead of just you know, nodding your head or ignoring them. Right. Right. So, you know, just things like that. I got to learn from theory and then bring it into the classroom and say, wow, that in particular changed my relationship with my students. Mm -hmm. It changed how I approached the practice. And it's, it's a simple language choice Mm -hmm. that creates a huge consequence one way or the other. So, uh, you know, things like that were just so beneficial to me. And I'm, I'm excited to, to, you know, be passing that forward too. Oh, wow. Yes. The last question I want to ask you about is recently you wrote a post about teacher burnout and you've mentioned it briefly. That's one of the things that you talk about that you're, Mm -hmm. you you know, you're about. Um, Mm -hmm. How would you describe 
teacher burnout? What is it? Because I think there's mm -hmm. probably a lot of misunderstanding about it. Is mm -hmm. this something new because of the pandemic and all the stuff related to that for educators? Or has it been around for a while? How can teachers mm -hmm. avoid it, overcome it? So what is it? <laughs> and what can we do about it? Yeah, so my, uh, my burnout lesson in a nutshell. <laughs> so when you think about burnout, it's, uh, the term was coined in 1974. And I really don't think that burnout itself has changed that much. Okay. Uh, with the pandemic, I think it is uh, exacerbated mm -hmm. uh, what we see in burnout and what we feel. But I don't think burnout in its core has really changed. And you know, when you think about it, there's uh, really three things that go into the feeling of burnout, and only one that we typically talk about, which is emotional exhaustion. Right. Okay. And a lot of people start and stop there. Oh, I feel exhausted. I feel tired. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, that's burnt out. But you also feel exhausted from a job well done. You also feel exhausted from yeah. creating an accomplishment. Right. So mm -hmm. burnout is more than that. It is emotional exhaustion. But uh, we also look at, and this is uh, from Christina Maslach's research, uh, we look at uh, depersonalization which is where teachers start to feel cynical, like nothing I'm doing is working. Uh, I don't create any kind of impact or not the impact on the scale I hoped for. Mm -hmm. And you know, all this work is essentially meaningless, right? And then you get a uh, lack of personal reward, mm -hmm. which is where you don't see any outward uh, results from the work you're putting in, right? So there's no pay increase, there's no award, there's no uh, special moment where you get to feel like, even though it was hard and I felt cynical, mm -hmm. at least something good came out of it. Right. So burnout is when teachers are feeling those elements of, I am exhausting myself, pouring my heart into work that doesn't matter for no results. And I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating a little bit, yeah. right? Because burnout is on a scale. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. one or the other, right. but a lot of teachers are somewhere on that scale where they have that sense of, I am pouring my heart into this profession and I'm not getting out of it what I thought I was going to, right? And what happens is, uh, and this is really a funny part about burnout, it's not so funny, but uh, it's, just, it's not talked about often. Yeah. The people who are at risk of burnout are the people that love their jobs. We don't talk about that a lot. Oh, wow, yes. In media, you don't see that, right? The burnt out teacher is the one that hates everything, hates the kids, hates the job. That's, yeah, not the that's what you hear. Yes. Yeah. The reality is you cannot be burnt out if you don't love your job and you're not committed to it. Uh, because if you're not committed to your job and you don't care, you just fade away. Right. Right. And you won't care. It won't, it won't hurt you emotionally. It might make you feel sluggish physically. Right. But that's it. Yeah. Burnout really impacts people who care the most because those are the people that say, I'm not getting the results I want. So let me work weekends. Yes. Let me work harder. Let me ignore my family. Let me isolate myself. Mm -hmm. And they still don't see the reward that they hope for. Right. And the reward can often be seeing students accomplish something great. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're not seeing that, uh, or you're not seeing them meet the standards that your school has arbitrarily arbitrarily, you know, put on them, mm -hmm. then, you know, that is just the breeding ground for burnout. Wow. Right. So to, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do to mm -hmm. prevent or overcome burnout, 
But you know, for your podcast listeners, the thing that I would recommend most mm-hmm. is taking inventory of and practicing strong self-care habits, right? And that is, I think, the hardest step. And you know, I, I get pushback all the time and I have great conversations based on it. But you know, telling teachers, hey, it's summer, what's your workout routine? Mm-hmm. What is your sleep schedule like? What are you doing to fuel your passions outside of education? And a lot of people get really upset when they hear that because they're like, hey, Lightman, I'm tired. Don't you get that? And I yes. do, believe me, because I've mm-hmm. been burnt out. And that's where my dissertation started was I was feeling it. And I wanted to know oh. what to do about it. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it all comes full circle. Action so. research. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, that, that was the, the starting point. That was the foundation. I ended up yeah. writing it as an autoethnography. Yeah, uh, but I think that that really matters. So when you're talking to people, mm-hmm. it's like, I was there, I know yes. what you're going through. And so mm-hmm. I'm giving you some practical advice that maybe you don't see right now, but it mm-hmm. really works. Right. And for me, at my most burnt out, I was also the most, you know, unhealthy physically. Uh, uh, you know, I was, okay. I was overeating lots mm-hmm. of sugar, I was drinking pop all day long. I just, I wasn't working out. I wasn't healthy in any way. Mm -hmm. So as those emotional symptoms showed up, the physical symptoms came with it to the point where I was in the hospital for ulcers and all sorts of other things. So no, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not happy for that, but I'm glad I had the experience Mm -hmm. because now when I speak to teachers, it's much easier for me to look at them and say, look, I know it's hard right now. I've, I've been where you're at. So I get Mm -hmm. it. I know you want to sink into your couch and just eat junk food all night. Totally understand. I understand the feeling. But Mm -hmm. if we don't do something in year one, year two, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're in year five, year seven, year 10 at a more unhealthy physical presence, still Mm -hmm. feeling emotionally burnt out with less tools to overcome it. So, so, you know, thinking about burnout, it's all about what can you control to make yourself more resilient, make Mm -hmm. yourself more healthy and make yourself more happy outside of your profession. Because we can't control what comes into the profession and what kind of challenges we face there. True, Mm -hmm. true. We can only control what what is under our control. (laughs) You're right, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Kevin, this has been awesome. I've learned so much from you already. Um, Is there anything, yeah, is there anything Mm -hmm. else that you wanted to um, tell our listeners or any other advice that you want to give them? Uh, you know what? I'm just so grateful for anybody that listens to this episode. Uh, I'm happy to connect, chat, and learn from your listeners as well. I know that your following is just so intelligent, and there are so many great people working in the field that uh, you know I always like to connect. So um, you know, you want to talk burnout, equity, you just want to talk uh, education in general, go for it. Um, but you know, just some parting advice is just listen to your students more. There's no point where that's a bad answer. Listen to your students more. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An excellent way to finish up. And since you said you want to connect, what's the best way to, for our listeners to find you? And again, all of that, including the links to your articles and your book will be in the show notes. So where should they go to find you, Kevin? Thank you so much. Um, you can connect with me, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm all at Kevin Lightman. Uh, you can check out the website, tlceducate.com. Uh, and we've got 
contact information there as well. You can always shoot us an email and we're very friendly and we're very open to conversation. So even if you're coming to tell me, Hey, I kind of disagree with you. That's awesome. I want that dialogue. So bring it on either way. You know, I'm just, I'm looking forward to hearing from people. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate your being on and I'm even more excited now to read your book. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging, that's Journeys number two belonging, dot webstarts.com. See you next week.